Good morning, church. It's a privilege to be with you once again. I uh, got a little surprise. My son joined us here this morning. I wasn't aware he was coming. He is uh, <clears throat> normally very active in his own church, which is uh, at Life Point, if you're familiar at all with the north side of Columbus, around the Orange area. Uh, he wears several hats there. And uh, this morning he doesn't have a hat on, but I'm glad to have him here. appreciate the support uh, that he brings here this morning. I, too, want to wish you a very happy new year. What better place to be this morning than to be in the house of the Lord and hear what it is he has to say to each of us after going through this past year, I am convinced that we're going to see a great move of God in 2023. There's going to be things that I think will happen, not only in our lives, in the life of the church, but I think we're going to see some things happen on the political scene that we may have never thought would happen. Um, God is still and always will be on his throne. He is in control, and I, for one, appreciate that very much. This morning I'd like to read our scripture, and then we'll jump into what uh, God has to say to us here. Matthew chapter 23, starting with verse 31 and reading to the end of the chapter, says, Therefore you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let us pray. God and Father, we thank you this morning for your word, and as was mentioned earlier, it will not return void, but it will accomplish that for what you have purposed. And we thank you, Father, that for many of us here this morning, that your word was effectual in calling us unto you and making us one of your own. We thank you that you set us apart for belief in the truth, because, Father, we would not have chose you ourselves had you not give us the will, the desire, and the faith to do so. We pray, Father, this morning that as we open your word, you would open the eyes of our understanding, help us to see your truth, that we may be changed thereby, and that 
through living out this new year, we would be the servants and the witnesses of Christ that you would want us to be, Father, in our jobs, in school, in our home, in our community, that your name may be great and greatly praised by your people. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We have here in chapter 23 a pretty famous scene, one that has probably been preached on many, many, many times throughout the years, where Jesus is staring out over this, this city that was the center of his heart, which represents his desire to dwell with you and with me and with all those who are called by his name, starting or beginning here with his people Israel. Only to come, as the scripture says, to his own, but his own received him not. That seems like a, a sad thing, but I would say praise God it happened this way. Because that's what allowed you and I to be grafted in. To become a part of the body of Christ. To become a part of God's great plan for mankind upon this earth. And he stands there and he looks out at this city. And I want you to imagine how he feels at this moment. He is the God who has the power to simply command it and it, could, and it would turn to dust. Or he has the power to send it into space. In fact, he has the power to do whatever he wants to do. But that's not what was in his heart. There's a cry in the heart of God, in the, in the, in the heart of the Son of God here. And he says to them in verse 37, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you together as children, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you weren't willing. You weren't willing to have that happen. And he says, see, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more. Until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, <clears throat> the human tendency for all of us is to look at this and, and see the negative side of it. Using verse 38 where it says, your house has been left empty. In other words, I came to you and you turned your back on me. And now I'm going to literally, Jesus says, I'm going to literally spiritually blind you, blind your eyes so that you won't see me again until you get it right. That's what he said to Israel. That's what he said to the house of Israel. You'll see me no more until you get it right. But here's the Son of God displaying the heart of God as he calls out to his people, the ones who were created in his own image, people that he loves passionately, with a love that's undescribable, with a love that is so far-reaching you and I can't even begin to comprehend it. And the scripture tells us in that very familiar verse in chapter 3 
of John, the first six words of verse 16, for God so loved the world. You know, those words are so deep and they are so profound that we could preach on that every week from now until the time our life ended and we'd only thus begin to touch the surface of that. What it means for you and me. The love of God. There should be something in your understanding and my understanding about these verses. But you see, we're so slow sometimes to hear what comes from the heart of God. And what comes from the heart of God is His love. Oh, Jerusalem. He is lamenting here. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The ones who killed the prophets and stoned those that I sent. Now, Jesus could have described Himself in any way He wanted to here. He had the power to do that. He could have described himself as a general who was gathering his army or a shipmaster who was gathering his crew or a CEO of a corporate entity that was gathering his team around him to, to discuss their judicial liability and carry out their livelihood. But no, that was, that was not how he describes himself. He describes himself here as God speaking what was in his heart. How often I wanted to gather you children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing to come. You were not willing to respond. You were not willing for me to gather you together. And what would have been the, the purpose of that gathering? Jesus was saying, in other words, I wanted to gather you in tenderness. I wanted to gather you and to protect you. I wanted to gather you and draw you close to my heart so you could realize the depth of the love that I have for you. I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks and pull you to myself. I wanted to nurture you. I wanted to keep you. I wanted you to know who I am. I wanted you to know why I created you. And why my heart broke from the moment that Adam sinned in the garden and sin entered into the human race. I want you to understand all of these things and so much more. I wanted to gather you. But what did you do? You killed the prophets and you stoned the ones that I sent you. You killed the messengers that I sent to you. There's something in, in all of us that, that in all of our hearts many times we are resistant to the love of God. We're resistant to the way that He wants to draw us to Himself. We're resistant to really hear what He is saying to us. We don't mind necessarily if God sees us the way we see ourselves. We don't mind if God is as tolerant with us as we are with ourselves, or even if He sees us as failures. We don't mind all of that. But when people come and they talk about 
the, the love of God, there's just something, especially in those who have failed or consider themselves failures, there's something that wants to push away that message. There's something that wants to push God away. When people start talking about his love for them, even push away the messengers. Even though the words of the prophets were quite often something that was piercing, they were like a trumpet. You and I today have the benefit of looking back into history, looking back into the scriptures and seeing what the prophets were saying and understanding what they were saying. We have that advantage today to look back and understand that. But there was at the very core of these prophets a desire that stemmed from the heart of God for all of mankind, for you and for me and for these Israelite people. The reason why the, the prophets' message sometimes were so harsh was because of the resistance of the human heart. Sometimes we can be so stoned off to the message that the message can't get through. The message can't permeate our heart. And God says, I'm speaking to you. Jesus says, I'm speaking to you from my heart. This is a cry from my heart. In fact, it's, it's almost a desperation from the heart of God reaching out to his people. God will pursue us as long as we live. And very often the prophets were and are animated by the Holy Spirit in such a measure that they might at least cause a temporary attention given to their voices. We see that in example after example in example in the, in the Old Testament. Yeah, they might listen, and it might change them for a while. But what did, what did God's people do over and over and over again? They became disobedient. They became disobedient again. And they entered into sin because the message that was coming from the prophets headed toward the heart of God's people many times would only break the surface. It would only get in a little bit. And when time would pass and when things would happen and events come about, they would forget about it. And they would move on. They'd move on to whatever the flavor of the day was, so to speak. And Jesus says here, your resistance to my cry is going to leave you empty. He says your house, your building, everything is going to be empty until the day comes when you, you hear this cry and it pierces your heart and you realize that that's a good thing for me. It's a good thing for me to hear God's voice. Blessed, he says, is those who come in the name of the Lord until you say, God is absolutely good and his mercies endure forever. 
until the day comes when you say, it's not my effort, it's not by my uh, uh, abilities, it's His kindness that brings me back into a relationship with Him. You didn't do it. You couldn't do it. Your flesh won't allow you to do it. It's only when you recognize Him. He calls you back to Himself. Until you come to the day and you say, I have nothing to offer God. You and I have nothing to offer God in and of ourselves. It's only as He empowers us through the Holy Spirit, by the presence of His Holy Spirit, that we can even speak about Christ. We can even only proclaim His Word. There's no reason, there's no reason within you and I that God should even want us. Other than the fact that God is love and God loves me. He loves me so deep, so profound, and so powerfully, there's no way that you and I could ever fully understand it. Or, all we can do is receive it. Praise God. We can receive His love into our life. This cry that we see here from the heart of God is all throughout the Scriptures. And we don't have time this morning to go to all the different scriptures where we see this cry from the heart of God. But I want to I share a few with you. In Isaiah chapter 30, it tells us God cried out to those who were seeking help from places where true help could not be found. Listen to verses 1 through 3 in Isaiah 30. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not from me and that cover with a covering, but not my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame." And the trust in the shadow of Egypt, your confusion. How many times did the children of Israel bark out and say, wish we would have stayed in Egypt. Wish we could go back to Egypt. God says, fine. If that's what you want, let that be your portion. God is saying, I am not going to allow you to find satisfaction anywhere else. You're not going to find satisfaction in Egypt. You're not going to find satisfaction under Pharaoh. You're not going to find satisfaction in walking the walk you want to walk. I'm making it that way. You cannot find satisfaction anywhere else but in me. There's no other place that you and I can go and find the satisfaction that can only be found in God through the person of Jesus Christ. And that is, thank God, His mercy working in our lives. It's God's mercy that allowed you and I to be here this morning. 
It is God's mercy that allows our hearts to be troubled many times when we know something just isn't the way that it should be right now in my life. That is God's mercy being handed out to you. And you see there's a cry coming from the heart of God to all men, all women, all young people that's created in the image of God. And Jesus is telling them here, it's God's mercy which will leave your house empty until you respond to that cry. And we should always thank God for that mercy with all of our hearts because He will not let us be satisfied with any other pursuit in this life. You know from experience, as I know from experience, things of this life does not satisfy. It is only by hearing the, God, the cry from God's heart and responding to that cry do we see and find satisfaction. In Zechariah chapter 7, verse 7, after the Babylonian captivity and people came back into the promised land, they tried to rebuild the temple of God. You all remember that? Well, you don't remember that, but you read about it. <laughs> if you remember that, I need to talk to you after the service. But God cried out to the prophet Zechariah and encouraging the people to build again. He said this, and I paraphrase I cried out to you when you thought you were prosperous and secure, and I saw something ahead of you that you were not aware of, but you turned your ear away and you would not listen. God sees the end from the beginning, and he sees everything in between. He knows what's ahead of us in 2023. He knows what's ahead of you in 2023 and what your life is going to, to have to deal with. But we're living today in a generation that will not listen to God. But God is still crying out. God is still from his heart, from the depths of his heart, crying out to people to get people to listen. And you know who he's crying out the most to? He's crying out the most to you and me. He's crying out the most to his people. Because that is the way, that is the manner, that is uh, the, the purpose of all of our lives. Is to help spread the gospel. To share Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. That's the way he chose it to be. So he's crying out to you and I more than anybody else. And he says here through Zechariah, So your house will be empty until the day you heard about my longing to bring you home, until that day when that cry came again into your ears. You see a theme here? Your house will be empty. Your vessel will be empty. Your life will be empty 
until you hear that cry from the heart of God and you respond to that cry. He's talking here to people who are church attenders. But they're church attenders who are casual. Those who just come at festive times, like we just went through a week ago. Festive time of year, Christmas, Easter. And they come because they feel some obligation to God. But do they really hear the cry from the heart of God? They never fully understand the heart of God. They've never seen where a relationship with Jesus Christ can lead them into a close-knit communion with God the Father. Maybe they see him as a hard taskmaster. I don't know. You know, one of the parables kind of describes him that way if you read into it. Maybe they see him as someone who's distant or distant and he can't really be reached. Or maybe they see him as someone who has to be pacified or satisfied. Or maybe they themselves are, are satisfied with a casual relationship with God. I'm not. I want a close relationship with God. I want a relationship with God where I know that His presence is with me every moment of the day. But He said to them, you know me. In John chapter 7, verse 28, the scripture tells us that Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple. He said, ye both know me and you know where I'm from. And you know where I come from. And I'm not come on my own. But he who sent me is true whom ye have not known. Jesus said, you know me, and you know where I'm from. In other words, he's saying, you've got, a, you've got a, a physical knowledge of me. You know a lot of details about me. You know my family. You know my siblings. You know my mother. You know my stepfather. You know where I live. I've grown up with you. You could give a great historical account of me or, or recount of me. But he says, I'm not come of my own or on my own. Somebody sent me. And he says, this is the side that you don't know of. Talking to the people in his day. This is the side of me that you don't know. In other words, you know the religious side, so to speak, but you don't know the heart that's behind it. All you can do is, is be like those who recount verses of Scripture, just like Martha did at the, the grave of Lazarus. And the Scripture's true, but he said, you don't know my heart. You don't know what I can do. You don't know what I long to do for you. You don't know and understand what it is that I want to do for you. 
And in chapter 7 of John, verses 37 and 38, he says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Another cry. That's another cry from the heart of God. And he says, if you're still thirsty, then I would say to you here this morning, if you're still thirsty, if casually attending church has not been enough, if you haven't found in Egypt what you've been looking for, if simple scripture memorization's not doing it for you, you still have a thirst for God. He says, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. And if you do, there's going to be a source of life that comes in you and flows through you that you've never experienced before in your life. Somebody else has talked about it, but you've never experienced it yourself. You've never walked in it. It's just been casual. And I might say there's too many casual relationships in the church today. But I want you to know there's a cry in God's heart for you. And it's not about numbers. It's not about numbers in the church. It's about people. It's about individuals. It's about you. It's about me and that close-knit relationship. God knows so much about us. In fact, he knows everything about us. The scripture tells us that. He even formed us in our mother's womb. Knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows everything about you. It's not about numbers. It's not about volume. It's about you. The cry from the heart of God is about you. You know, the scripture tells us, and here's another cry from the heart of God. The scripture tells us when Jesus died on the cross in agony, he let out such a pr profound cry from the cross that a centurion standing by and watching who was used to people crying out, dying on a cross. Picture this. This centurion was used to people screaming and crying out on the cross because it was a common thing for that to happen. He knew the heartache. He knew what was experienced and what, what death was. But he says he had never, never heard a cry in his lifetime such as the cry he had heard coming from the Son of God on the cross. It was a cry that was not human. It was much more than that. Yes, it was coming from a human, but it was coming from God. It was a, a cry that was coming from the heart of Almighty God. And what did Jesus say on the cross? Well, briefly, let's look at Psalm 22 where he, where he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest me not. And in the night season, I'm not silent. But thou art holy, 
O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in thee, and, and uh, thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee, but were not comforted. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All that see me laugh to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him. Seeing he delighteth in him, he trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me, and strong bulls of Bashan have beset me. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou brought me into the dust of the death. For dogs have come past me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. That's what Jesus said on the cross. You see, sometimes we, we look at the cross and we fail to consider when Christ died upon the cross, he first, before he, had, before he experienced physical death, Jesus had to experience spiritual death. Because what is spiritual death? It is absolute separation from God. Jesus experienced spiritual death for you and I on the cross before he ever experienced physical death. And that cry that came out from our Savior that day was a sound that reached throughout all of the plains of heaven and all of the plains of the earth and all of the plains of creation. It was not a normal cry. No wonder the centurion could stand there and say, surely this was the Son of God. It was a cry from the heart of God that had never been heard before. And it was the same cry that came out from the voice of God when he came into the garden. Adam, he said, Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. He knew what he did. He knew what had happened right there and he knew the effects that it would make on all of mankind from that moment forward. But he says, Adam, where are you? It is a desperate cry from the heart of God. Adam, what have you done? Where did you go? The one I created in my image. The cry which said, I created you in fellowship with me to be with me throughout all of eternity. It was God crying, I've lost you. I've lost you. 
but I'm going to get you back. The devil may have had a small victory there, but I'm going to get you back. I'm not going to let you go. And that's what God is saying to His people today. I'm going to get you back. If you've drifted from Me, if you swayed from Me, I'm going to get you back because I'm not going to let you go. God will not let us go. I'm going to send prophets. Even though you stone them, I'm going to send them. And when you stone them, I'm going to send more. And though you resist the message, I'm going to send another. And though you banish Christians, and though you won't listen to your family, I'm still going to bring you from place to place, from time to time, from season to season. And finally, when you hear the cry and you realize that, you, that I love you, then, then, you will understand. Jesus did not die for you and I because he was obligated. He was not obligated. He didn't die for you and I because of our failures. He died because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And as I said earlier, it's a love we can't fully understand. We'll never fully understand this side of glory. All we can do is receive it and embrace it. That's why he said to the children here in Jerusalem, I just wanted you to come to me so that I could embrace you. If you're here today and you're in Christ, He's embracing you this morning. He's not going to let you go. He says, let me draw you close to my heart. Let me give you the protection that you need and the strength and the resource and the covering that you need for a future if you would have only come to me. But you didn't do so. So many people find it hard to receive God into their heart, into their life. And people that find it hard to receive love, they find it even harder to give love. To many, the love of God is just a word. They don't feel it. They don't give it. They don't understand it. But Jesus said, if you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, a door will be opened. If we would just do so. Christ wants more and more to pour his love upon us. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We don't deserve it. He just loves us. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, talks about a young man. You're all familiar with the story. He went his way. He had a father who loved him, a father who wanted to provide for him, who wanted to care for him, who wanted to draw him close to himself. But for whatever reason, the young man didn't understand. He didn't understand his father. 
And like many people today, young people, like many young people today, they leave the church because they don't understand who God is. And sadly, God may have been presented in a harsh or vindictive or picky, difficult way to please. Whatever the reason, they said in their heart, when I become 18, I'm out of here. Just look at our churches today and the young people. They say, I can't handle this. I'll take what I have like the prodigal son and I'll go to myself somewhere else. Now I don't believe for one moment that this young man in Luke chapter 15 denied he was his father's son. But he was just far away from him. He was far away from his heart. And how it must have grieved the father. And the father cried out from the depths of his heart. And how difficult it is at times when we gather our family members today at, at some special occasion, for example, like the last week we did, and we look and we see those that don't fully yet understand the love of God. And our heart breaks for them. Our heart, our heart even though we may not say so, our heart cries out for them to know Christ. To know Him, to know His love. To know that He wants to gather them as a hen gathers her chicks, just like Christ was describing here. And as a, as a father and a grandfather, I can understand the heart of this father that stood here on the veranda looking out just down the road to find out when is my son going to come home. When is my son going to come home? But the son was living far away, thinking that he was going to find fulfillment in this life. And in all the imaginations of his heart that the world has to offer. But suddenly, praise God, suddenly one day it says, there was a famine that came into the place where he was. And thank God that it did. And thank God that there are famines that come into your life and into my life. Because many times those famines are what draws us back to God. What draws us back to Christ. What draws us back to the one that loves us the most. It's God's mercy that brings famine. It's God's mercy that will stop the rain. It's God's mercy that would cause Babylon to invade Jerusalem. It's God's mercy who would send the Roman army to destroy those things which people have been trusting in. Because ultimately it's all about you and I and bringing us back to the Father. And the scripture tells us that one day this boy came to himself. And a thought came into his heart. And there's a moment in everybody's life where we have this moment. We have this very same moment that comes into our heart. And it's a, it's a time of awakening. A moment where we realize I'm in a place right now where I don't want to be. 
And there's an inner sense that God has placed within us. And he, that He has something for my life that I've not yet got a hold of. And the Scripture says this young man came to himself and he said, How many of my father's servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. Remember, Jesus said, You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You will not see me until you realize the depth of my love for you. Until you realize I have everything that you need and I am willing to give it to you in full measure. Until you come to that point, you will not see me. And the boy says, I'll arise. And go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And he had compassion, and he ran and fell on his neck, and he kissed him. Can you imagine, as this boy was heading home, he had made a mess of his life, and he knew it. He had made a mess, and he knew he had made a mess. He wasn't even trying to hide it. He didn't care anymore, because that moment came in his life. He didn't even try to clean himself up. Scripture doesn't tell us that. He came back just as he was, the song that we sing so often. He came back because he came to himself. He knew where he had been. He knew what he had done. He knew what he had taken his life and wasted it. And he also knew that where he went and what he tried to do did not satisfy him. God would not allow him to find satisfaction there. And God will not allow you to find satisfaction there either. And in his heart he was saying, there's blessing in my father's house. I may not fully understand it, but I know it's there. I know it's there. And I know that all who come close to him are well fed and well nourished and well taken care of. Remember, Jesus said you'll not see me again until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this boy goes home. He didn't go halfway. He didn't send a letter. He didn't send an email. He didn't send a text. He didn't do Snapchat. He went home. I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm just going home. I'm going to live in the house with my father and I'm going to do what he tells me because I know that all those who dwell in my father's house are well satisfied. I know there's safety there. I know my needs will be met. In my father's house, it's like a hen gathering her chicks under her wing. And when he got near, he couldn't see his father, but his father was looking out, and his father could see him. And no matter whether you can see God today, God's eyes have been on you. God sees you. God's been looking and longing for you. God's been waiting 
for you. If you're not close to Him, He's waiting. He's not sitting on some distant throne with His arms folded and waiting for us to get it right. He's here this morning. And He loves you and I with an everlasting love. And He sees us coming to Him and our hearts longing. Have you ever heard that cry from the heart of God? Just like no doubt this boy heard the cry of his father from afar off. Scripture says he didn't even see him. But the father was crying out. He could hear him. He could hear his father crying. And his father drew near to him. And the Scripture says that he, he sees him and he falls on his neck and he kisses him. Even in the smelly, awful, rotten condition that he was in. And that stench got on the Father. But you know what? He didn't care. The Father didn't care because his son who was lost, had come home. Just like what you Jesus did for you and I on the cross. Jesus took all of our smell, all of our stench, all of our sin, all of our wretchedness, and He put it upon Himself because of His great love for us. Jesus became sin for you and I. And that's the reason the Father had to turn His back away. Because He couldn't look upon sin. And Christ took that sin and He went into the depths of hell. And three days later when He rose, that sin stayed in hell. And today, God is calling from the innermost parts of His heart. And who's he calling to? He's calling to everyone. He's calling out to everyone. God says he will never stop pursuing us in this life. But there is a time. There is a time which Jesus himself said, <clears throat> this pursuit will end. This pursuit will end. And Jesus, as the greatest prophet that ever lived, prophet, priest, and king, but as the greatest prophet who ever lived, Jesus, in Luke chapter 13, verse 27, he looks out into the future. Jesus looks into the future of eternity. And he says these words, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. He saw into eternity future. And he spoke these words to these people here. And he spoke them to us for a purpose. And if you understand that saying, it's a very hard saying. Because Jesus isn't simply saying, depart from me, leave my presence. He's not just simply saying that. Here's what he's saying. He's saying this. He said, I pursued you every single day of your life. 
while you were living. I pursued you every single day of your life, but you never, ever heeded my call. So now, I'm no longer going to pursue you. That's a hard saying. I'm no longer going to pursue after you. And when he says, depart from me, he says, what he's saying is just go ahead and continue to seek after the path that you started in your life. And that path of destruction is now going to lead you all the way into the depths of hell. Depart from me. The call from the heart of God is still going out today. The call of God is going out here today. The question is, have you heard that call from the heart of God? Have you listened? But more importantly, have you obeyed? Let's pray. Our God and Father, how grateful we are that we serve a God that loves mankind more than we will ever understand. That loves us with an unfailing love. With a love that reaches from the throne of heaven into the heart of every man, every woman, every child. God, our prayer is that we would heed that call. If there are those here today that do not know you, do not, do not understand that call, or that have that call on their life right now, I pray, God, that you would, with your Holy Spirit, Empower them to make the right decision. Time is short for us, Lord. Only you know. Our greatest desire is to serve you, to know you, and to make you known. I pray your blessing upon this church and these your people this morning as we seek to serve you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.